We're turning to the book of Haggai this morning. Now, the best way to get this book of Haggai is to turn back from Matthew, Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, just next door to Zephaniah, where we were for two weeks, and where I said we would be this morning, but we are not there this morning. We're at Haggai chapter 1, and about Thursday morning, I had a message prepared on these last verses of Zephaniah chapter 3, and uh, very powerfully the Lord turned me towards this chapter, and for this message this morning, which I will preach, and in spite of what the devil would try to stop me, I will preach it, and I believe that the Lord will bless us, <coughs> will bless us through it. You see, when the Lord gives you a word, he doesn't give you a word not to preach, and when he gives you a word, he intends you, and he equips you uh, to preach it. So I believe that I have a word from the Lord here this morning if you're open at the book of Haggai. Among the nations of the world, <clears throat> we are witnessing a rising tide of unprecedented godlessness, wickedness, lawlessness, and rebelliousness. What is happening before our eyes daily is what was prophesied and foretold in the scriptures of truth by both Old Testament and New Testament writers, prophets, patriarchs, apostles, and our Lord himself told us very plainly and clearly in the Gospels and in the Revelation that these days would come upon us. And they have come. And Jesus said they would come speedily like a thief. And that they would come relentlessly and punishingly painful without mercy. And they have come. The days of Noah and the days of Lot in the book of Genesis were days that the Lord Jesus told us to watch out for similar things just prior to his return to take his people home. The sins which brought fire and brimstone from heaven to burn up the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the sins that brought total immersion of the world underwater in Noah's day, those sins are manifested every day around us. Evil is now good, and good is evil. Light is darkness, and darkness is light. And the sad thing about it is this, my dear friends, that they're being accepted socially, politically, morally, as normal. You would think that everything's normal to hear so many people talking about. And the sad thing about it also is that those who are saved and who are called defenders of the truth and preachers of righteousness, watchmen and intercessors, they seem to be silent. They seem to be mute. 
They don't be saying anything. Very little people are raising a voice in these last and dark days of time. And in fact, many are speaking out in defense of some of the awful things that are going on around us. Backing the liberalists and the modernists and the humanists and the sodomites. Things that our forefathers went to the scaffold for. Things that our forefathers were burnt at the stake for. Now, they're being mocked at and laughed at and dismissed as hate crimes and misogyny and all sorts of names they have upon we're living in an awful day. And one of the main reasons that we are in the state that we are in this morning is because of the lack of biblical teaching. The 21st century has been a start of a century with very little biblical preaching. Very little word for word, verse for verse commentary on the scripture. And Ezekiel says that pastors and priests followed their own spirit and their own hearts and the Lord didn't send them. And there's a lot of people out there this morning and they're following their own spirits and they're following their own hearts and the Lord has not sent them. And they have no word for the people. And the people are starving for the word of God. And where the Bible is preached and where the scriptures are taught and where expositionary scripture is lifted out of the word of God, God will feed and God will bless the people and he will change society. Hosea says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge and truth has fallen on the streets. Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin has approached any people. Listen to Jeremiah. He says, the ground is scorched for the want of rain. The little ones bring their vessels to the wells and the returning empty. They have nothing to eat and they have nothing to drink. The fields are barren and the wells are dry and the people are starving. That's the spiritual day in which we are living in. And we can have all the new churches and new assemblies and new crowds and new names that we like, but that's the day that we're in. We need to get back to preaching the Word, and the people need to get back for a hunger in the Word. John Milton, the English poet, said in Cromwell's day, says, the hungry sheep look up, and they're not being fed. And they're looking up this morning in hundreds of places and there's nothing for them. There's no spiritual food for them. And they're going away hungry and starving. But I believe, having said that, that there's a new day dawning over our land. Now, we may all have our own pictures and our own positions in COVID-19. But there's one thing certain that it has introduced a shaking and a separating and a sifting socially across society. Across the globe from one end to the other is reeling one way or another with the effects of COVID-19. The pandemic has turned into pandemonium. The virus has turned into a vulture that's over all our heads. 
hyped up, no, no doubt, in many ways and many times. Let me say this. God has used COVID-19 and he's going to continue to use it. He has used it to draw people to meetings and to drive-ins. He is using it to draw people to the YouTube and to Facebook. He has used it to draw people who never went to prayer meetings out into prayer meetings. He has used it to draw people to inquire after the days in which we live in and the things that are going to happen. He has used it to draw people to bookshops for Bibles and to go online on Amazon for Christian spiritual books and for tracts and for DVDs and CDs. And it's on the, cre on the increase daily. And God has used this to do this. And always in the history of the church, and always in the history of revival, when God is going to do something, he shakes the people. He starts with stirring the nests. Stirring the nests. He has many ways of stirring the nests. And he has used famines and he has used all sorts of things in the past to stir the nest of the people of God to get them to take notice. And I believe that he has been stirring the nest. And I believe that he is stirring the nest in our land and with many people today. That's why God directed me to Haggai chapter 1. Now, if you know anything about Haggai chapter 1, it is a new beginning. The children of Israel are back from the Babylonish captivity. There's a small number of them, a remnant that God brought back to build the temple and to bring the glory of God back down into the, into the temple of God. And he used Zerubbabel to be the commander to rebuild the temple and the people with them. And these people, like often, they came back with great enthusiasm. And they were full of enthusiasm. And went up into the hills and they got the timber and they got the wood and they got the foundations laid and they got the altar built. And everything was going well. And then things began to happen. The enemy got in. And the devil started to annoy them with enemies and with themselves. And they went out and they built their own houses. Chapter 1 tells them, they built their own sealed houses. They bought land and they worked on the land and they looked after their children and they looked after the family and they made the money. And for, money. And for 16 years, the foundation of the temple and the altar lay there. 16 years. God watched them for 16 years. He says, you're making money and you're putting it into a bag with holes in it. You're out and you're building your own houses. And you're saying to me, and you read it in chapter 1, you're saying to me, it's not time to build God's house, but it's time God says to build your house. And you're building your great houses and you're buying your land and you're making your money and you're doing everything, but it's going into bags with holes and it's just falling out. Let me tell you something. If you're not at the prayer meeting in the church and you're making money, that prayer meeting night you'll make no money. Do you hear that now? 
And if you're supposed to be in the house of God on a Sunday morning or in the house of God on a, on a Sunday evening and you're gathering up money and you're working and work that doesn't have to be done, you'll make no money. He says you build and you plant and you buy, but you are not contented. And it's going into a bag with holes and it's falling out. Do you hear that now? You hear it very carefully. And for 16 years, the whole thing lay dormant. The, the, the weeds grew around it and the jackals ran through it and the ivy grew over it. What they needed, these people, was an awakening from God. What they needed was a was a shaking from God. And God did it with a famine. Look at verse 10 of chapter 1. Therefore the heaven over you stayed from dew. And the earth has stayed for fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains, upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labors of the hands. You see, God but a famine. God stopped the whole business. For 16 years, he was patient. Maybe he's been patient with you for 16 years. I maybe six years and maybe 26 years. God's patient. And maybe this morning he has brought you out to this meeting or somewhere else you're listening to this meeting that the devil doesn't want me to preach. Someone here this morning listening to this message. God wants to stir you this morning. He wants to shake you this morning. And that's exactly what he did with Zerubbabel. Look at verse 12 of chapter 1. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shaltiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnants of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. Now watch this. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and, don't miss the and, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the 420th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. Well, what do you make of that? God stirred them up. I can't stir you. I can preach this morning. You can go out to this meeting and say a great message this morning. It will not mean that if God doesn't stir you. If God doesn't shake you. God doesn't rattle you. I might do it and it just would last for a day or maybe a half a day. Some emotion, some sermon truth, but it has to be God. And after 16 years, God stirred up. He stirred it up. The wooden spoon. My mother used to have a wooden spoon. And of course, the wooden spoon wasn't too effective. Then she got the sally rod. We had a wooden spoon. And it depended what end of the wooden spoon she hit you with. You'd be better with the big end. But when she hit you with the long end of it, the wooden spoon was used for stirring. And God's stirring up. He's stirring up a remnant. 
And he is storing them up in this church. And it delights my heart and soul. I wonder you one that's been stirred up, shaken, aroused, awakened. That's what they called the revival in Jonathan Edwards' day, the, the great awakening. It has to be God, you see, that awakens, that arouses spiritually the souls of men and women. Now, most of you here this morning are saved, or you would claim to be saved. And I can't dispute that. And if you are saved, then the Holy Spirit is abiding in you. Because Paul says, uh, you're none of his. You don't belong to God if the Holy Spirit's not in you. So whenever we got saved, they asked the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to come into our hearts. So the Holy Spirit's in you. But he can be quenched. He can be grieved. He can be hindered. He can be vexed. He can be silenced. He can be suppressed. And maybe this morning, maybe this is going to be the start of the stirring of the Holy Spirit in your life. As the eagle stirreth up her nest, the eagle got down the nest to eat bits of wood. And she starts to rattle the, the wood and the wee ones on the wood and shakes them. That's the first shake. As the eagle stirs her nest, so the Lord will stir his people and shakes it. And then the next thing, he gets the, eagle, the wee things onto their wings and then moves out with them and then drops them and lets them go. But it has to start with the shake. Tell me, has the Lord been shaken has the Lord been rattling you honestly now in the past weeks or months? Do you feel a change coming in your life? James Montgomery Boyce says this, the remnant of these people were, they were the right people God has called. You see, many of these ones didn't come back from the Babylonish captivity. Big percentage of them never come back. They stayed in Babel. But God brought a remnant back. And he separated this remnant out to build the temple so that the glory of God would come down. They were the right people. They were in the right place. He brought them to Jerusalem. And they were there for the right purpose. God wanted them to build the temple so that the house could be be like Solomon's when the glory of God would come down into it. They're the right people, the right place, for the right purpose. Is that why you're here this morning? The Lord wants to awake and to stir us this morning in this house to get in behind this work because he's going to do something. I never was more convinced. You see, you might have the notion this morning, oh, I'm saved, but the Holy Spirit has left me. Well, that's a nonsense for a start off. You may be saved this morning, but 
As a man said in Fermanagh, when I asked, was he saved? He says, he's far back in me. He's far back. Is he far back in some of us this morning? Maybe he is far back in some of us this morning. Well, that shouldn't be the case. He's with you this morning if you're saved. Now, I want you to look at this, and I want you to look at, very, at it very carefully. Look at chapter 2 and verse 5. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth with you. Right? Those 16 years... I and those 70 years for some of them. He never left. So you don't you get that out of your head this morning. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit remains with you. Then look at verse 4 of chapter 2 and the end of it. I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. That's the Father now. So the Father's with you. And the Spirit's with you. Oh, but that's not all. That's not all. Look at verse 7. And I shall shake all nations... And the desire of all nations shall come. Now, most scholars and commentators tell us that the desire of all nations is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, to say that the nations desire him this morning, I don't understand that. But they desire someone. He's the desire of all nations. Remember Wesley's carol, we'll be singing it if we're here at Christmas, and we will be here at Christmas. Hark, the herald angels sing. Here's a verse. Come, desire of nations, come, and fix in us a humble home. Come, bruise the serpent's head, and sing, the angels sing glory to the newborn king. So the Father's here, and the Spirit's here, and the Son is here, and His glory is going to fill the temple, for it says the glory of the latter house will be greater than the first. So don't get it into your head this morning if you're a child of God, because you have failed, because you have been years in the background. That is over for you. It's not over for you. Let me tell you. A.W. Tozer says anything that God done in the past, he can do it again. Anything. And this temple is going to be built again. And God's going to use his people to do it. And God's comforting me. He says, listen, I'm with you. My spirit is with you. You're building this for the sun is going to come and he's going to come and he did come to the temple, you know. Oh, glory to God, I tell you. I've been blessed through these verses. 
Now he's stirring. Stirring. Why is he stirring them? What is he stirring them from? Well, first of all, let me say this. He's stirring them up from comparison and comparing themselves with the old temple. Now, hold on. You see, the older generation that came back, some of them saw Solomon's temple in all its glory. They saw the beauty of it. And now they see the altar built just in the and the weeds growing around it, and they see the foundations there, and 16 years it's lying able. And they begin to compare it with the temple that they knew. Chapter 2 and verse 3. Look at verse 3. Who is left among you? Chapter 2 and verse 3. Who is left among you that saw this house in our first glory? How do you see it now? Here's what they're saying. It's nothing in comparison. It's nothing. It's worse than nothing. I think the Hebrew says there, than what we knew it to be. So they're comparing. The old people, and old people, you know, compare things more than young people. And sometimes it's not good. Just take your time. Oh, this, oh, this will never be like Solomon's temple. This will never be like the temple we knew. Oh, this will be no good. Who's going to build it? Who? Sure, it's finished. The whole thing's over. I'll t- tell you, you get a lot of boys like that. Don't you listen to them. It's not over. It's not done. God's going to do something, and he's going to do it in his own way. Can you not hear them saying, Oh, we remember the glory of Solomon's temple. We remember the gold, and, and we remember the grandeur. And the courtyard, and the altar, and the lever, and the curtains, and the prayers, and the praise. Not a hope of restoring this. I tell you, you don't want people in that in the midst of a congregation when God is beginning to move. An old critical, carnal, comparing, comparing. Spirit. And I must speak to myself this morning, because I have. And I must confess that I have too often compared past generations of Christians with this one. And I have too often and too long compared past revivals and past preachers, and looked at them and said, look at the day that they were in, and look at the day that we are in. And it's true to a certain extent. Repairing past churches, past revivals, with the abysmal state of the things that we're seeing around us today, we could say, where's the use? Where's the hope? Where's the Moody and the Spurgeons and the Wesleys and the Whitfields? I don't believe that anything insults God more. I've decided that. I'm going to stop it. Who has despised the day of small things? 
Don't you despise the day of small things because nothing much is happening. The more hopeless the situation is, the more hope there is. And God has you here, and he has me here, and he has this church here, and he has it paid for, and he has everything in order in this church. He has it here for a purpose. COVID or no COVID. Wouldn't it be an awful thing? Wouldn't it be an awful thing come to me last night or this morning or sometime? Wouldn't it be an awful thing? For 33 years standing on promises of God that he was going to the, the, the glory of this latter house would be greater than the first two houses. Wouldn't it be an awful thing to believe and to pray and to claim the promises and to go through everything that we went through at this corner, many of you? Wouldn't it be an awful thing to close the doors and lock the gates? And God wanting to revive us. I'm looking out of an attic window for that's what they're going to put us next they're going to put us up into the attic looking out through some attic window God says you know I brought this place into being to revive and to move and to save and to deliver and you were closed up wouldn't be an awful thing Once we start comparing what other churches are doing or what other preachers are doing or the way they worship or the way they work, we're in great trouble. We don't take our cue from other churches. We don't take our cue from Stormont either. Oh, now, look at that other church. They never talk about baptism. They never talk to you about the prayer meeting. They never talk to you about the Lord's table. They never talk to you about membership. Oh, why can we be like them? Well, away you go to them. Because let me say, if your heart's there, that's where your treasure is. If your heart's here, that's where your treasure is. Because once you start comparing, oh, look at the way that family's turned out compared to mine. Look at the way they're educated compared to mine. Look at the way he can pray and she can pray and I can't pray. It's time you wised up and stop comparing. You're different. Everybody's different. Stop comparing with other children or other houses or other cars or other preachers. Let the Lord stir your heart. That's what he wants to do. He stirred up these old boys. 
But there wasn't only a comparing, there was a complaining. Obviously, in verse 8, it says, God says the silver and the gold is mine. <laughs> they were complaining about finances. How do I know that? Because they talk about the great temple that Solomon had and how David laid all the stuff. David laid all the stuff at the door for Solomon, the son, to build it. All the gold and all the silver and all the... Who's going to do this, these boys are saying? God says, listen, don't you worry about that. The silver and the gold is mine. Do you hear that now? Some of you are getting a tight eye financially. The silver and the gold. Stop complaining about financial things. The whole Trinity is with you, don't you know? Fear not COVID. Fear not the cancer. Fear not the coronary. Fear not the redundancy from work. Fear not the reduction of wages. My God shall supply all your need. Do you believe that? According to his riches in glory. May God awake, arise, arouse and stir us up in these days. God forbid that we would be like the disciples in Gethsemane in the hour of crisis asleep. This is the hour of power. And God's using COVID-19. And we may have to stand. Wouldn't it be awful as I close this morning? God forbid. God forbid. That we would not be like Jonah. Sleeping in the storm. You see, the Holy Spirit was in Jonah. Oh, he was a prophet before God called him. Then he'd been used before God called him. But it was far back in him. Far back. Needed a stirring. Needed a shaking. Needed a rousing. Needed the wooden spoon. And God says, you're my servant, go to Nineveh. There's a million people there and they're perishing. Hundreds of thousands of children, they're perishing. You go. Jonah says, I'm not going. And he went down to Joppa. The whole road was down. Maybe he'll start coming back today. Down to Joppa, down into the boat, down into the bottom of the boat, down into the Mediterranean, down to Tarshish. It's a downward road, the road away from God. And he went down into the bottom part of the ship and he went to sleep and the old boat rocked and roared and creaked and the timber creaked and the, the, the whole oil 
mariners are ungodly. They said, what are we going to do? We'll have to get rid of the cargo. So they fired the whole cargo out. And them boys were knew all about the seas. And they held on and they held on. They said, there's something wrong. And the shipmaster went down and here he was. The old mariners said they were all praying to their gods. The man that should have been praying was asleep. Fast asleep, the Bible says. Fast asleep. The Muslims are praying, the Hindus are praying. They're up at three and four o'clock in the morning. I have a sister living in London. She says, I had to move house for I couldn't sleep. Four o'clock in the morning, rattling and champing. And the man that should have been praying was asleep. God stirred him in his mercy and his grace. He jolted him and shook him. And sent him to Nineveh. Where the mighty revival broke out. One of the most awesome revivals in all the scripture. And God got his man on the right track. And he stirred him up. He stirred him up. Let him stir you this morning. Stir you up. To go out for God. For we haven't got very long. You don't have me to tell you. He's on his way back. He says everything in that verse. He took Hebrews, borrowed it. The writers of the everything that can be shaken will be shaken and is being shaken. And the things that cannot be shaken will remain. There's not many things going to remain. The word of God will remain. For it's settled in heaven. And heaven and earth shall pass away. And the saints of God will remain. Because no one can touch us. Fear not, he says. I am with you. The church of God will remain. Until we're safe in the glory. There's a shaking going on. There's a stirring going on. There's a moving going on. It has to start in your heart and my heart. And then it'll spread out to others. And it's contagious. And I tell you, God had a word for you this morning. And I tell you, the devil didn't want me to preach It's common, my friend, it's common. Don't you get into the notion that you can do nothing and that you're no use. That's the devil's lie. Don't be comparing and don't be complaining. Just say, Lord, that man spoke to me this morning and I want to obey your word. I want to do the work of God. I want to build for eternity, not for time. Let us pray.
Father, we give you we give you thanks this morning, Lord, for this word and for giving us the ability to preach it. And we thank you, Lord, for touching us this morning physically. And we give you praise and thanks that you're going to use this word. And I pray, Lord, that there'll be a jolting, there'll be a shaking this morning in our lives. And you're so gracious, so patient, so loving with us. Father, we just pray for myself and for our people this morning. We just say, Lord, forgive me for my coldness, for my lack of concern, for my lack of burden and vision. Forgive me for not seeing the need of the Ninevites and for running in another direction. Lord, I thank you this morning for these lovely wee children that were in here this morning. Lord, it done our heart good and to see these faithful teachers teaching them the word of God. Bless the wee ones, Lord. Bless their homes and bless their families. Oh, God, deal with us, Lord. We all need a shaking and a rattling out of complacency and out of comparison, complaining. Bless those who must go. And remember those of us who stay to remember thee and what you've done for us. Bless Stephen tonight as he stands on that, Lord, and preaches the mighty gospel and let us never get tired of hearing these truths of God's love and grace to sinners. Hear us now. Bless us now. Be with us now. For Jesus' sake. Amen.